Hello, and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined by our executive director, Kirsten Hassler. Hi, everyone. We are now in the month of March, which means it's Women's History Month. Over the next few weeks, we wanted to shine more of a spotlight on womanhood and women who are making a difference on Capitol Hill. So this month, you will get to hear from influential Congresswomen and about the issues that affect the daily lives of women. Today, we highlight one of those amazing women, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko of Arizona. Congresswoman Lesko has represented the 8th District in Arizona, which is the Northwest of Phoenix since 2018. And she serves on the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Prior to her role in the US House, Congresswoman Lesko served in the Arizona Legislature for nine years the last three of which were in the Arizona Senate. She served as Senate President, Pro Tempore, Chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee. She was honored by numerous organizations during her time at the Arizona Legislature, including Champion of the Taxpayer, Guardian of Small Business, and Senator of the Year. Congresswoman Lesko received her bachelor degree from the University of Wisconsin, go Badgers. She lives in Peoria with her husband and they have three children. Thank you so much for joining us, Congresswoman. Thank you for having me and all the great work you do. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, first off, we want to know a little more about you and how you came to Congress. You have a bit of a unique path as your first term was won under a special election. So tell us your background and what played into your passion for coming into the U.S. House. Sure, about 20 years ago, I wondered who these people were that I was voting for on the ballot. And so I called up the state Republican Party in Arizona and I asked if they had meetings. And sure enough, every month, uh, our district, uh, legislative district in the state of Arizona had meetings. I started going, I didn't know a darn thing at the beginning, but it was very easy to meet my elected officials at these meetings and I got more and more involved, registered voters, went to events, uh, you know, set up a, manned a booth at the state fair for the Republican party. And before you know it, I was elected the legislative district Republican chairman and then an officer of the Maricopa County Republican party and then an officer of the Arizona State Republican party. And then in uh, 2008, people encouraged me to run for the Arizona House of Representatives, which I did. I served six years there. I served at one point as the House Whip and another point as the Chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. And then I ran for the State Senate uh, seat and won that seat, served three years in the Arizona State Senate, where I was the Chairman of the Senate Finance Committee uh, chairman of the Senate Appropriations Committee, and I was all ready to run for Senate president. Uh, and then in December of 2017, my predecessor, Congressman Trent Franks, unexpectedly resigned, and I decided to run in the encouragement of a number of people. And I beat uh, 11 other candidates, all men. And so I, I beat the, the second place person by 11 percentage points. And here I am, I had four elections in 2018. I don't know how the heck I did it. I had to raise a bunch of money, uh, do a bunch of stuff, but I'm here. That's so awesome. 
So I'm wondering if you could give our listeners a little bit of what your a day in the life is like of someone on Capitol Hill as a member in the House. So we hear about men in DC, but it's not always really clear what they actually do. So when the House is in session, what does your day look like? I'm busy from early morning <laughs> to usually late at night. Um, to give you an example, let's uh, you know talk about uh, another, I think we were here last Friday uh, I got here early in the morning. I had meetings. It could be with uh, groups of constituents from Arizona. It could be with stakeholders that are involved in the Energy and Commerce Committee. Uh, yesterday, I had a um, video conference call with the veterans of foreign wars. Uh, and today, I think I have a, a conference call with um, uh, energy producers in the state of Arizona. And then I have energy and commerce committee hearings. And so in those committee hearings, um, I offer testimony uh, and debate and amendments. I've offered amendments at rules committee. But for instance, last Friday, we were here till two in the morning, Saturday morning, because we were voting. Wow. And so that obviously was a late night. But then uh, the next night, I think, or the, I think Monday, I got out of my office at about 9.45 p.m. And I said, hey, it's an early night. And so <laughs> then I either catch an Uber uh, to go back to my apartment in Washington, D.C., or I walk with a staff member uh, back home. I go to sleep and I start again the next day. Wow. Yeah, that sounds super busy. And I, I sometimes I think that uh, many of your constituents or um, when, when people are in different parts of the country, they don't see the day-to-day -day activities. And so they're like, what, you know, what's going on up there? Are they doing anything? And, you know, um, congressmen are some of the busiest people that I know <laughs> because you guys don't have set nine to five hours. You work all day, sometimes through the night. And I completely commend you on the stamina and the willpower it takes to get through some of these days. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Most people think it's a glamorous job. It is not a glamorous job. I walk to work every morning. I don't get uh, security guards or chauffeurs or anything like that. I walk to work, uh, take an Uber home or walk back home when it's dark out. Uh, but usually I always have somebody with me, walking with me if I, if I walk in the dark. Um, and uh, contrary to common belief, we do not have a great health care plan. We have to be on Obamacare. It's very mm -hmm. expensive. It's not a good plan. Um, and thus, I'm on my husband's work plan, which is a much better plan. And contrary to what people think, we do not have a pension for salary for life. That's absolutely mm -hmm. false because I think just about everybody, if they worked one day and got a salary for life, they'd only work one day probably. Oh, so, you know, the, all these rumors that go around about how great, uh, you know, all these benefits we have is, is not accurate. Right. Yeah, and, and also in the house, you are balancing campaigning too, because you're up for reelection every two years. So that's also yeah. difficult to, you know, balance with, with everything else. Yeah, usually I was working. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, can you tell us a little bit about your perspective as a woman, a wife, 
and a mother and how that has shaped your experience on Capitol Hill? Well, for me, I waited until my kids were grown up. And so to me, it was the right time of my life. But there's other women here that are serving that have young children. So I think it's just up to the particular woman what works for them. Um, you know, this works for me. Mm -hmm. And we've talked a lot on our podcast about the threat of womanhood in the form of bills like the Equality Act and policy experience, sexual orientation and gender identity. Can you tell us a little bit about your position on the Equality Act and how you have responded um, to pushback? Yeah, I'm absolutely opposed to the Democrats' Equality Act. I really believe that it infringes on women's rights and privacy because it forces all organizations, schools, any place where somebody can go publicly, it forces them to, to put males in with women in women's spaces, whether that's showers, bathrooms, locker rooms, uh, males and girls and women's sports. I mean, women have fought for many, many years for women's rights. And now this bill will take away women's rights. It actually discriminates against women because even let's say I'm a survivor of domestic violence, right? And I, and I support women's domestic violence shelters. Some of these women not only are battered and abused, but they may have been sexually assaulted. And let, this law would require a woman's domestic violence shelter to take in a man, you know, with all the male body parts, they may say they're a woman, but there's no length of time, like no doctor notes saying you had a sex change or anything like that. It's just, if a man says he's a woman and he can change that every minute, uh, he has to go into this domestic, women's domestic violence shelter, girls uh, bathrooms and schools, um, girls sports, and this is just wrong. I mean, you know that it's, it's wrong. You know that the world is a little bit upside down. When I was on Judiciary Committee last year and the Republican witness that opposed the Equality Act was a registered Democrat, lesbian woman who is a feminist who said, I don't want men to take my women's space. Mm -hmm. And so that was the Republican witness. Wow. I mean, this is just outrageous. And, and what's even more outrageous to me is that all these big companies, the US Chamber of Commerce and others are just going along with it. I don't know if they even know what's in this bill. Yeah, right. and it, we were really disappointed at Eagle Forum nationally that, that this bill passed the House last week. It's very disappointing. I hope it doesn't pass the Senate. Us too. <laughs> yeah. We'll be working hard to hopefully make sure it doesn't pass. We so we're we're going to harp on more of these <laughs> women's issues, but you know, some of them are are you know some of this language is in every single bill on the House floor. So, um, so it comes up really frequently. You know, in the coming weeks, the House will most likely vote on both the Violence Against Women Act and the Equal Rights Amendment. Last year, you were a strong advocate against both, thankfully. Um, at, you know, as a woman, and more importantly, a, vote, a voting member of the House of Representatives, 
why have you been opposed to VAWA and the ERA? Well, as a survivor of domestic violence, I know it's bad for women. And it's kind of the same reasons as the Equality Act, except the Equality Act is broader, uh, has broader authority than the Violence Against Women Act. But in the Violence Against Women Act, again, it's the Democrats are pushing this bill. It um, basically says the same thing as the Equality Act. A male has to be accepted into a woman's domestic violence shelter. And I just think that's wrong. I, even if the women there in the domestic violence shelter feel unsafe or feel like their privacy is taken away, even if they complain, the, the Violence Against Women Act overrides it and says, no, this, this you know, institution, the, the domestic violence shelter, it is going to be forced under penalty of federal law to take in a male in a woman's domestic violence shelter. And again, there's no, there's no sex change required. There's no, nothing like that. It, it's, it can be a male with all male body parts that one minute says, I feel like a woman. And we don't know if that's genuine or not. We don't know if there's a man with ill intent. I mean, this, this is outrageous to me. And and that's why I speak out about it. And the last year and probably this year too, uh, people that speak out about it, you know, get vilified. We get called names. You know what? I don't care. I am over it. You know, these Democrats, for whatever reason, instead of having civil debate, they start going to name calling. And, you know, racist, white supremacist, you know, uh, inhumane. I've heard it all. I don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Good for I, you. <laughs> a couple of years ago, you had um, made a video when VAWA was coming back through the house. And I, it was so refreshing to see a woman finally stand up against VAWA because, you know, there are a lot of things inside of that bill that just don't work. They, they aren't, you know, for women. And um, so I, I was completely amazed that you had the guts to actually be one of the only women in the house to, to speak out against it. So we certainly appreciate that. Well, thank you. Somebody needs to talk about it. And the, and the man, rightfully so, would prefer a woman talk about it. <laughs> for sure. They, they want to talk about it, the men uh, and the Republican side, and, and they do, uh, but they feel more comfortable with a woman talking about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, right. For sure. So, Congresswoman, if you were a woman or even just a frustrated American hearing about these issues that we're talking about, what advice would you give them? to help the movement or even to just get involved in politics? Spread the word and they can spread the word by posting on their social media accounts or commenting on either, you know, mine or other uh, people's uh, social media accounts saying, yes, I support you. I support that you're opposing these radical ideas because often on social media, there's so many liberals that make just atrocious comments and we need more conservatives to speak out. Also, uh, in my district, uh, there are actually still paper newspapers, right, that are dropped on, on senior citizens' driveways. People can write letters to the editors, opinion ed uh, editorials that can be either printed uh, on paper or online. 
Conservatives need to speak up and stop being afraid. I understand the fear because you're going to get criticized by liberals. They're going to call you names probably. But the more and more people, conservatives that speak out, speak out at church groups, speak out at their friends, just talk about it. I meet with business groups and I talk about the Equality Act at business groups. So first I talk about what's important to the business. And then I say, you know what? I want to talk about another bill that does not maybe directly affect your business, but it affects each and every one of you who have a wife or a daughter. And, and this is more important uh, to the future of our nation than maybe one particular bill that has to do with your business. This has to do with the, all of America and the future of America. Mm -hmm. Most of these people have never heard about it. They never, they didn't even know the, what was in the Equality Act. They didn't know the negative ramifications of the Violence Against Women Act because the media is usually owned by the liberals. Um, they might as well be paid by the Democrat party. That's how liberal most of the media is. And the word just doesn't get out because they censor us and they take us off of Twitter, and they take us off of Facebook. But we, you know what? There's millions of us that believe in what you and I believe in, and we have to get the word out. Absolutely. We, we've said before on this podcast that, you know, all the issues are interwoven. They, you think that just because bills pass separately, that they don't have anything to do with each other. But like you said, the Equality Act affects and you know not only us but businessmen and you know anyone who is living in the united states it's it affects them so yeah you're right on target um you know I, we love to end our episodes with something lighthearted because i mean it, it's it's been a rough year <laughs> and um some of this stuff is like is really heavy to listen to so we want to end on a good note. Um, what has been the biggest challenge for you while working as a member of the House, and how have you overcome that? Well, the biggest challenge right now is that the Democrats, under the leadership of Speaker Pelosi, have gotten rid of a lot of minority rights, minority party rights, meaning Republican Party. They have taken away uh, what's called the motion to recommit debate on the floor, which has been in existence for, for I think, since the beginning of the Congress. They've changed rules that have never been changed before in the history of the United States Congress. So it's a very oppressive, very top-down from Pelosi uh, order. She changes our calendar like on a constant basis. So for instance, I had in March 15th week, I had all kinds of meetings set up in Arizona because we were supposed to be in our districts on March 15th week. She just changed it. Mm -hmm. So now we have to cancel the meetings and she does this constantly. She's put up this, her and the Democrat Schumer have put up this fence with razor ribbon all the way around the Capitol, all of our office buildings. We have National Guard. We can't even invite people into the Capitol or our office 
it is very oppressive. So that's the depressing side, okay? <laughs> but I have hope. The good news is I really believe that Republicans will regain the majority in two years. I really do. I think history shows that when the president is of the opposing party, that the House will gain seats. And so we have to gain back Republican majority in either the House or the Senate in order to stop all these radical left-wing bills from being signed into law. And right. so that's that's the hopeful message. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Congresswoman Lesko, for being on our show. We'll be sure to link all your social media onto our page so that our listeners can follow and keep track of what you're doing on Capitol Hill and back in Arizona. And if you are listening to our podcast, be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review. You can find us on all the major social media and at engagewitheagleforum.com. From your house to the state house to the White House, this is Engage with Eagle Forum. We're coming at you with a special segment. So are we are we for sure on Swamp Beat? I don't know. <laughs> I think it'd be cute. All right, so we're doing another Swamp Beat, Tabitha? Yep, here we go. <laughs> hey, y'all, we are bringing you another Swamp Beat, and today we are tackling an issue that goes to the very heart of Eagle Forum, the Equal Rights Amendment. Yes, the ERA from the 1970s is rearing its ugly head again in Congress, and we'll go for a vote within the next couple of weeks. Of course, a lot of time has passed since this amendment to the Constitution failed, which means a lot of people are in the dark about what it actually does. Like for Kirsten and I, this was introduced before we were even born. <laughs> so it's been a while, but luckily we have all the details and resources for you. That's right. The ERA is a proposed amendment from the 1970s to the Constitution to give equal rights regardless of sex. At the time, sex was defined as biologically male or female. Feminists spearheaded the fight for this amendment, saying that it would give women all the same rights as men. When our founder, Phyllis Schlafly, heard this, she knew that the simple wording of this amendment would do no such thing. There is really no way that a woman can be the same as a man or vice versa. We are biologically different and have unique abilities. So Phyllis led the opposition, citing all of the consequences that would roll out, including men and women sharing private spaces, taxpayer-funded abortion, the elimination of women-only benefits. It would force women in the military into combat roles and would allow Congress full discretion to say what our rights are. The amendment had to pass in 38 states within a seven-year deadline to become part of the Constitution. She, along with thousands of women who were concerned for their rights, successfully defeated the amendment with only 35 states passing it. Even President Carter extended the deadline by a few years, and it didn't move because by that time, people were much more educated on the problems of the amendment, and some states were even withdrawing their passage. Since then, Congress passed bills that would grant additional rights to women like the equal pay for equal work and family leave benefits. In the meantime, some states have still continued the effort to pass the ERA. Once Virginia passed it last year, House Democrats decided to introduce a resolution, HJ Res 17, to erase the previous deadline of seven years. It passed the House, but the Senate never took it up. Now, 
Now the house plans to move it forward again. And we have one more issue to worry about with the ERA. Last year, the Supreme Court decision in Bostock v. Clayton County redefined sex in Title VII to expand sexual orientation and gender identity. So now it adds another layer of complications, even affecting Title IX positions by allowing boys into girls' sports. Yeah, it's a mess. We expect it to move in the next couple of weeks in light of Women's History Month. They are blatantly ignoring that it erases womanhood altogether. You know, we have so many resources for you on our website. If you go to the drop down menu and click topics, you will find a whole section on the Equal Rights Amendment. And we also have podcast episodes from the beginning of season one that detail the history of the ERA and the problems that it poses. Plus, you can learn a little more about Phyllis Schlafly, who made a huge difference not only in defeating the ERA, but how she helped usher in the pro-family movement. We hope that you put her on your list of women in history that you should know about, at least for this month. (laughs) So make sure you're signed up for our alerts so you don't miss the opportunity to contact your congressman about this. We will have something coming down the pike in a couple weeks. So we will keep you up to date. And we will see you next time.